This is Public Occurrences, both foreign and domestic. And now your host, Michael O'Fallon. Something has been happening over the past several decades that only a few observers have taken proper notice of. The disappearance of beauty in our world. And not just the disappearance of beauty in our world, but the replacement of that which would be universally accepted as beautiful with the replacement of that which is beautiful with what is the ugly. The replacement of buildings and structures that evoke an historical narrative of beauty with cold glass and brutalism. Well, for example, in England before the turn of the early 20th century into the postmodern and Marxist-infused era of design, designed buildings, even the most mundane structures, such as offices, waterworks, and warehouses, well, they were intentionally made to evoke those things that men in their society found both inspiring and beautiful. Strong, bold men who create for beautiful women, their wives, their society as a whole, that these men would gladly give their lives for in defense of their civilization. And these reminders were everywhere and in everything in the pre-Victorian and Victorian era of England. Beauty was prized. Beauty was honored. Beauty was respected. Beauty was worth dying for. In Western civilization, there was a universal understanding of what properly and aesthetically represented beauty. Men would march to war and put their lives on the line to preserve that beauty, to preserve the beauty and the future of their children. And by this, I don't just mean the human form of beauty. Beauty was to be pursued. Beauty was worth hiking long distances to see. Beauty was worth risking your life to find. In every realm of the aesthetics environmentally, even in audible form, there is and was a universal human understanding of what in music is beautiful. So many of our listeners have remarked on the choice of music that I've made over the past years for my podcasts or soundtracks, or for my friends' podcasts that we helped to design. And everything, and anything, that I have done from a musical perspective has been completely intentional. So when I have taken time to expose my staff or my students in the past to the music of, let's say, Debussy and his Prelude to the Afternoon of the Fawn, Rayfon Williams and his Serenade to Music, Gustav Holtz and his Hymn to Dionysius, Smetana and his soulful My Country, Viltava the Maldu, John Tavener's Funeral Canticle. Well, all of them, to a man or woman, are moved and changed to a great extent by the beauty of music that they never knew existed before. So when a lovely melody, 
a sublime landscape or a passage of exquisite poetry, comes before your senses and your mind. You know that you are at home in the world. Because beauty is the voice that settles us, the assurance that we belong among others in a place of sharing and consolation. And if you are ever stuck in a car with me on one of our egregiously long road trips that we've taken in Europe, which I have driven Europe probably 30 times over the past 12 years, and I am the one who's driving, you will be exposed to the music that I have chosen specifically for the region that we will be traveling through. And visual beauty combined with the audible and sensory combination of flawlessly beautiful music will provide you with a memorable moment that you will always remember. You know, I remember driving through York, through the hills of Scotland ten years ago with my team, playing selections from John Barry's The Beyondness of Things combined with Rayfon Williams' most beautiful compositions. I remember a drive that my team and I had that started in Milan, Italy, but that Google navigation detected a massive backup due to an accident on what I believe was the two, that then Google navigation decided to redirect us and take my team up what is called the Umbrail Pass, one of the highest paved roads in all of Europe, just as the sun was beginning to set. And I remember the songs that played over my iPod through the car as we drove up through the Italian and Swiss Alps and as our conversation ceased. And observational stunning beauty was all around us where Mozart's clarinet concerto in A, Respighi's The Pines of Rome, The Pines of the Janiculum, and John Barry's The Beyondness of Things again, And I, and no one in our car that afternoon, during that journey, will ever, ever forget the beauty that is etched in our minds forever. And I will remember the London Gardens of Whitehall, and of embankment, and of the weaving, hilly, and beautiful manicured gardens that surround Windsor Palace, And then, even back to my earliest childhood memories of the farm just outside of Elkton, Maryland. The thousands of acres of deep and mysterious forest that surrounded the farm. The winding rocky creeks. The groves of apples. The hundreds of acres of corn. The perfectly manicured yard of the farmhouse and the morning dew on the grass as the golden sun arose each morning to start a new day of adventure for a young boy. But I also remember my hometown of Miami, Miami of the late 60s and early 70s, and the tree-canopied streets of Coral Gables, the lush tropical foliage, and the sense of otherworldliness and romance that was of my proud Cuban heritage in Miami. A contrast, a vivid contrast, but nonetheless, beautiful. And you must, you must take a moment 
and thank the Lord for his creation and for his order. But beauty is vanishing from our world because we live as though it did not matter. And we wonder why those in our society, in our religions, in our nation, embraced critical race theory for almost a decade without realizing what they were embracing. A terrifying, discriminatory, ugly ideology. As ugly as its first incarnation in the ugliest of ideologies, Marxism. And the propagation of Marxism, not just through our theological, our societal, and our ideological frameworks, but Marxism through our culture, parasitically and gradualistically into everything, destroying the natural creative order in the beautiful and inspiring architecture of Prague that was beautifully preserved from the 10th and 12th centuries, and the new city, speckled with architecture from the Romantic era, the Belle Epoque. The beautiful age. But then came fascism, and then communism, and the ideology of Marxism, and the ugliness that now stains Prague intermittently of brutalism. Brutalism designed in architecture that seeks to crush man, that seeks to put mankind in its place, and brutalism that lets you know that the state is in charge now. And all of those old, beautiful, and inspiring things of the past are just that, old and in the past. And the new future is brutal. And just as Orwell said, quote, if you want a vision of the future, imagine a boot stamping on a human face forever, end quote. And as this Marxist-Communist ideology was expressed in China, beautiful China, beauty was stamped out. And no longer the old ways of dress were accepted, that defined men as men, dignified pillars of the community, that defined women as women, beautiful jewels of society, but instead, androgyny. That both men and women were to wear the same brown party uniform, the same drab existence, the erasure of beauty out of the culture, the infusion of brutalism in architecture, the phasing out of what made the Chinese culture beautiful, unique, differentiated, the same as you would find today in downtown London, with now glass and steel. Not inviting but declaring itself separate and distinct from humanness, cold, diminishing architecture. And as this same ideology makes its way across the shores into America, we gradually rejected what was beautiful, what differentiated a man from a woman, what leads to a prosperous and replicating society, and we embrace the ugly. Because beauty is assailed from two directions, by the cult of ugliness in the arts, and by the cult of utility in everyday life. And this ugliness has invaded all of our culture, all of our arts. And if you think back to the 18th and 19th century, art, at that time, 
almost made a cult out of beauty. And now we have a cult of ugliness instead. This has made our postmodern art really into an elaborate joke. One which by now has really ceased to be funny. And ugly postmodern art is produced by the pampered children of the socialist state, who have never had to struggle, who have not known war, and who have entered at the earliest age into the lap of a world meant to serve them. The Modern Cult of Ugliness In 2019, as I departed Athens, Greece on a flight to London, and then we landed in London, and as we were gathering our luggage, what my colleague and I viewed on the 40-foot-high dark wall surrounding us inside the airport was truly stunning. Ads from famous clothing manufacturers with men adorned in women's clothes. And on the other wall, on this side, were women, uglified as men, in men's clothes, creating and causing enormous confusion. Confusion for what women naturally, not a social construct, by the way, for what women naturally saw as attractive and beautiful men traded for femininity. And for the beauty of a woman traded instead for harsh and strong masculinity, demolishing heteronormativity and calling the natural order a social construct. The natural order is the natural order. And then they decided to destroy that and erected their Marxist social construct and called the natural order ugly. Well, that is certainly the best example of the Iron Law of Woke Projection, the never-ending, violent quest for the totalitarian, utopian, communist state, really represents a religion of revolution in which change is the highest value. As Hegel put it, Quote, the tendency of all man's endeavors is to understand the world, to appropriate it, and subdue it to himself. And to this end, the positive reality of the world must be, as it were, crushed and pounded. In other words, idealized. End quote. Ultimately, the universe, God and man, would be one socialist state utopian spirit. And in order to accomplish this, reality was to be treated with utmost violence. Reality was the enemy, and it needed to be crushed and pounded into submission. It is the application of Alphaben, cancellation, cancellation of the old order of things, what mankind knew as beauty, and the insisted embrace of the ugly, the disturbing, the shocking. German critical theorist Herbert Marcuse's great refusal stands basically in direct line, stretching back through Marx to Hegel, and Marcuse's critique of pluralism has its antecedent in Hegel's statement, quote, for freedom it is necessary that we should feel no presence of something with is not ourselves, end quote. 
And the central role of art extends back through Hegel and German philosophy in general, basically. And Hegel identifies creative self-expression as evidence of man's connection to the divine. Marx sees creative production as uniquely human, and for all intents and purposes, divine. And Marcusa identifies artists as those most affected by their alienation, the most revolutionary class, capable of convincing the world to reject itself, and in rejecting itself, rejecting the Imago Dei, the image of God. These, then, are the central aesthetic tenets of Marxism. The world is corrupt, and because of its corruption, man has become alienated from himself and incapable of being human, which means incapable of evaluating beauty via the aesthetic experience. Therefore, to reclaim his birthright and fulfill his destiny, man must reject this world and regain his fundamental powers of creation through aesthetically satisfying labor, which will be amplified and extended to all classes by means of mechanical reproduction. So Marcusus's great refusal basically requires a complete negation of all beauty. For the dark days of the present, art exists for the sole purpose of raising revolutionary consciousness in Marcusus's world, whether it takes the form of socialist realism revealing the alienated reality of the social milieu, or Marxist brutalism expressionism that emphasizes the grotesque and exaggerates alienation. It cannot harmonize the faculties and produce beauty and joy. It can't be beautiful. And as Marx And as well, Marcusa make it clear, it is not real art. So, as Marcusa himself stated, Marxist artists must be vigilant against the potential of capitalist co-option and be engaged in an endless struggle to make ever more alienated and angry art. So, as revolutionaries, negate the world in violent action. Artists must refuse any accommodation to beauty and in all their works negate and indict beauty. Total violent rejection of beauty is the Marxist aesthetic, or I should say the anti-aesthetic. The refusal of any beauty in the world makes Marxist aesthetics a contradiction in terms. The contradiction is important because it indicates a larger and troubling problem really inherent in Marxism. Because that which produced joy, produced fulfillment, which was inspired by beauty, must be rejected. And what was beautiful must now be called ugly. And what was ugly must now be called, in its metaphysical confusion, and evil understanding, 
ugly, beautiful. Because we live in an upside-down world now. What was beautiful and accepted by all must now trigger those with a revolutionary mindset. And so, ugliness is celebrated. What we look at, what we listen to, and what we read affects us all in the deepest parts of our being. You have to understand this. What you fill your mind with on a daily basis, what becomes the soundtrack of your life, well, that affects you in the deepest part of your being. And once we start to celebrate ugliness, then we become ugly too. Just as art and architecture have uglified themselves in this cultural Marxist long march through the institutions, so also have our manners become ugly, our relationships become ugly, and our language become crude. In the postmodern age, we are surrounded, then, by man-made ugliness. And artists who used to devote their efforts to idealizing the human form, to recording the charms of nature, and bringing order and beauty to our sorrows, well, they're no longer interested in those tasks. And galleries of contemporary art are filled with the debris of modern life, with subhuman figures purposely designed to demean and desecrate the human image and with ludicrous excuses for art that mean nothing at all. And this official uglification of our world is the work of the ivory-towered elites of the liberal classes, I should say, liberal progressive classes, people who have little sympathy for how the rest of us live and who, with their mania for deconstruction, are happy to rip up beliefs that have stood the test of time for millennia. You know, the thing is that they forget is that ordinary people hunger for beauty as they have always hungered for beauty because it has been the voice of comfort that something is perfectly ordered. Something is perfectly ordered in a sublime landscape. Something is perfectly ordered in a view of Parliament in London. Something is beautifully ordered looking upon the Lincoln Memorial in Washington, D.C. Well, just over the past 24 hours, and we're recording this in mid-May of 2022, a friend of Sovereign Nations, who has spoke at our first debut event, Dr. Jordan Peterson, decided to comment on the latest iteration of the Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue. It's probably something I wouldn't recommend, but he did anyway. And no, this time Sports Illustrated was not insisting that you must call a simulacrum of a woman, we referred to this before in a previous episode, to call a simulacrum of a woman beautiful and celebrate the contradiction. No, this time Sports Illustrated apparently decided that a scantily clad overweight woman very overweight woman, was to be celebrated and that you had to embrace the contradiction. But Dr. Peterson stated his opinion on Twitter, stating this, quote, sorry, not beautiful, and no amount of authoritarian tolerance is going to change that, end quote. And that was Dr. Peterson's opinion. 
But in Herbert Marcuse's world of 2022, you aren't allowed to have your opinion. So Dr. Peterson continued, rightly I might add, quote, It's a conscious progressive attempt to manipulate and retool the notion of beauty, reliant on the idiot philosophy that such preferences are learned and properly changed by those who know better, end quote. But don't let the facts stop you. And of course, this led to literally tens of thousands of responses from trolls insisting that Jordan Peterson had no idea what a beautiful woman is. So in 2022, Jordan Peterson is not allowed to have an opinion about what he considers to be beautiful or not, because no longer is beauty in the eye of the beholder. Beauty is now in the eye of the social justice hierarchy perception managers. Dr. Peterson was correct. Beauty should be in the eye of the beholder, not in the idiot philosophy that such preferences are learned and properly changed by those who know better. Not in those that are following in Marcuse's footsteps and applying critical theory to beauty, to art, to design, to our very understanding of what makes a human being beautiful or not. And I would emphasize that this is not some trivial point of disagreement. If the new militant social justice constructionists are allowed to demand that you embrace their concept of beauty, what will be the next opinion that they will insist that you hold? Will it be an ideological opinion? Will it be a political opinion? Will it be a theological opinion? Will they demand that you declare a transitory person as beautiful or as a woman? Well, here's the truth. If we cannot justify the very concept of beauty as an aesthetic except as an ideology, then aesthetic judgment is without philosophical foundation. An ideology is adopted for its social or political utility, rather than its truth. And to show that some concept, like holiness, justice, beauty, or whatever, is ideological, is to undermine its claim to objectivity. It is to suggest that there is no such thing as holiness, justice, or beauty, but only the belief in it, a belief that arises under certain social and economic relations and plays a part in cementing them, but will vanish as soon as conditions change. Perhaps you've forgotten that it is in the small things that seem trivial that the tyrants will first claim as their territory. But these are not small things. For you to say 2 plus 2 equals 5 in regards to your opinion on what makes a person beautiful or what contributes to a person being attractive in your individual eyes, well, that's not a small thing. You see, you have been discriminatory, properly discriminatory. Like if you are married, or if you are dating someone, 
You have discriminated. You made a choice likely based on a number of factors, personality, beliefs, religious or ideological, and undoubtedly, physical attraction had something to do with your decision. And that has been, since the dawn of human history, what makes the world go around. But those that are our new social engineers, our new priests and priestesses of our new revolutionary age, do not want what has made the world go around for thousands of years to continue to make the world go around. You see, they want to technocratically manage the world, and they want to manage you. They want to invade your cognitions and convince you that what is beautiful is ugly, and what is ugly must now be embraced as beautiful. And ladies and gentlemen, as I have said many times in the past, cognitive liberty is a hill to die on. And anyone who is cognitively alert to beauty understands the concept of redemption, of a final transcendence of moral disorder into a kingdom of ends, of order. And this is where we find the Apostle Paul in Philippians 4.8 urging believers, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. But let us also remember that in an attempt to literally steal beauty and our understanding of beauty aesthetically and transcendentally from mankind, they are stealing humanity and the creative order itself. And this, ladies and gentlemen, is what we must preserve. The beautiful. I'm Michael O'Fallon. And this has been Public Occurrences, both foreign and domestic.